Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who goes along with you. Hey, the clock is ticking and we're almost to the end of July, which means it means August is right around the corner, literally just over a week away. And that puts us right into the thick of summer camp, fall camp, however you say it. Teams reporting back to campus and position battles getting underway, which will take us right up until kickoff. And this is the Sooner Nation podcast. We are back from our summer break. Uh, coming back to our regular weekly schedule. And then as the season approaches, the bi-weekly schedule. And then before you know it, it'll all come and go too quickly. And we'll be breaking down what was the 2022 college football season. But let's start by breaking down what could be. Oklahoma really making some waves on the recruiting trail. Uh, we've got to jump into that because do you remember? do you remember back in June when Brent Venables couldn't recruit? Do you remember back in June when Oklahoma was a sinking ship without Lincoln Riley? Well, that narrative has changed substantially from there to what we are here, uh, August 20, excuse me, July 22nd, with August quickly approaching. Uh, suddenly, Brent Venables might know exactly what he's doing. I'm going to tell you who I believe might have the best defense in the Big 12 and why. And uh, you know what? Here's the thing. It may be a little bit of a homer pick, but I got I to gotta go with what my gut says. And then I'm going to give you a list of players that did not make first-team All-Big 12 accolades from the University of Oklahoma that might just be there at season's end. Again, this is the Sooner Nation podcast, and we are glad to be back and glad to have you with us. Let's start with recruiting. Oklahoma suddenly a top 10 recruiting class nationally, 16 total commitments as of right now. Seven of those 16 commitments have come in the month of July, which has seen Oklahoma just, just climb the ladder into the top 10 of the national rankings. And they're going to keep climbing, uh, in my opinion. Now, one big thing that has happened is that Jackson Arnold, who was kind of the the cornerstone, the uh, the centerpiece, whatever word you want to use of this recruiting class, he's he actually got upgraded from four to five stars, and this is how it breaks down uh, right now. You got Jackson Arnold as the the number one guy in this class at a five star recruit per twenty four seven Sports, and then you've got seven four star guys. And then you've got a handful of guys who are expected. There's five to, just depending on which service you look at, there's five to seven other guys out there that could be making their commitment to come play for the University of Oklahoma. And one of those guys could be coming on Monday, July 25th. Uh, so we get through the weekend and Monday morning, uh, four-star corner uh, Josiah Wagner out of the state of Washington. Uh, he's the number two player from the state of Washington, the number 11 cornerback in the 2023 recruiting class. He's making his decision on Monday, and a lot of people are expecting him to commit to the University 
University of Oklahoma, which would be, again, a huge grab for this recruiting class and really change that narrative uh, that we were talking about just a few minutes ago that Brent Venables can't recruit. And it very much is. It's, it's very much a different uh, approach than what Lincoln Riley took when it came to recruiting uh, and, and nailing these guys down, where Lincoln Riley just wants your commitment. He wants you to come in there. He wants to impress you early. He wants you to jump on early. And, and that, that has its pros and cons, because early on, you've got these recruiting classes that are ranked high. Uh, but then later in the game, how many times did we see Lincoln Riley lose a guy late? How many times did you lose a guy um, on National Signing Day? How many times did you lose a guy that got flipped uh, the week before National Signing Day? How many times did you, you see a guy that that was committed to this class, but really in limbo. They were committed, but they were quiet, and you knew that they were taking other visits, and you knew there was a chance that someone was going to come in and poach them. And that again, that's a part of this game. That's a part of the process. It's a part of what happens uh, when you are a college football coach and you're a top five uh, program, you're a power five program, you're one of the, the blue bloods. People are attracted to you, but you're not the only program out there. And so you've got to continually fight off other programs. Well, Brent Venables is different. He doesn't want to do that. Brent Venables is taking the approach of either you want to be here or you don't. If you do want to be here, then we're going to take your commitment and you're shutting it down. You're not going to make other visits. You're not going to talk to other guys. You're committed to us and you are here. And that is a slow process because Brent Venables is not against a player taking other visits. Brent Venables is not against a player talking to other coaches. Brent Venables is not against a player looking at other options. But he is very much against guys who are committed to his program doing those three things. If you're committed to the Sooners, Brent Venables doesn't want to hear that you're on campus in Austin, Texas. Uh, and guess what? He doesn't want to care. He doesn't want to hear you're on campus in Eugene, Oregon. And we just that's that's a real life scenario that we saw play out just over a month ago. Brent Venables wants your commitment, and once you commit to him, you are committed uh, to this program and to this university, and that's it. You shut it down. And it's, it is a, is a drastic change of pace. Even Bob Stoops didn't do that. Lincoln Riley definitely didn't do that. But Brent Venables, that's his approach. And it was a, it was a slow start. A new, a new coaching staff, a new philosophy. Uh, you, you jump in here with Jeff Levy. You jump in here with Ted Riff. You got Brent Venables. And then this is what they're doing. But suddenly you're seeing it work. And not only is it working, it's starting to gain traction and gain momentum. And now you look at the month of July with seven commitments this month. You see Oklahoma jump into the top ten. And again, I think they're just going to keep going higher uh, beginning on on Monday, um, with uh, with Josiah Wagner committing to this class, and then there there'll be more to follow as National Signing Day approaches, and and that's that's the other side of it. I mean, that's that's the other side where where Lincoln Riley, like I said, you get those guys in early, you get their early commitments, and Brent Venables is like, take your time. Once you're committed, you're committed. So make sure this is where you want to be. So where Lincoln Riley would jump up early and try to hold that position high in the recruiting rankings. Brent Venables, it's just a slow and steady pace as guys come along uh, to jump in here and get on this. So that's where Oklahoma is uh, on the recruiting trail. Not doing bad at all under Brent Venables. And uh, that narrative that, that Brent Venables can't recruit, uh, I'm pretty sure we can put that to bed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Big 12 is typically known as a conference that's dominated by offense. And and, and really, it I, I've shared my opinions on this for, for seasons and seasons, years and years, however you want to say it. But the, the offenses in the Big 12 have been really good. Some of the best in the nation, some of the best of all time. So the Big 12 gets this stigma that this isn't a conference that plays defense and you know you look at the SEC defense and all of a sudden the spread offense comes to the SEC and suddenly they're they're not as good defensively as they were the year before but somehow they get a pass and I know OU and Texas are moving to the SEC and all that's going to be a wash but the truth is the offenses have been light years ahead of the defenses in the Big 12 and really in the nation for several years now and the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, when you see the Big 12 go to bowl games or you see the Big 12 play a non-conference opponents. And a lot of times, a lot of times, even, even if the Big 12 doesn't come out victorious, when you look at the offensive numbers that those Big 12 teams put up against Big 10 teams, against Pac-12 teams, against SEC teams, against ACC teams, what you see is that the offensive numbers for the Big 12 are higher than their conference opponents. So when Oklahoma plays Tennessee, when Oklahoma plays Alabama, Oklahoma is going to put up more offensive yards, score more points, and have a higher yard per completion, higher yard per carry average than almost all the other opponents that Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, Florida are going to give up on a regular basis in their conference. Now, there's all kinds of spin doctors out there, all kinds of excuse machines out there, all kinds of talking heads that can tell you why this is. But the simple, just the simple fact of the matter is the Big 12 offenses are that good. And the defenses are better than advertised. It's just, look, it, it's different. When, you, when you're playing defense against a team that runs it for three yards on first down, runs it for three yards on second down, and then third and four, they're looking at some sort of middle play action level passing game. Number one, you're going to have less scoring because you eat up more clock with that type of offense. Number two, you're going to have lower yards per play averages because those are low yards per play type calling. And again, you can have all these advanced metrics and all this other stuff that says something that's you can make it say really whatever you want it to say. But at the end of the day, the style of offense determines really what a defense looks like. What I mean is like not the X's and O's as far as what you want to accomplish with your defense, but how your defense actually looks on the field is determined greatly by what your offense that you're playing against looks like. And that's been the struggle of of defending the Big 12 teams since 1999 when Mike Leach stepped foot into this conference. And it changed it forever. Oh, yeah, who's in the SEC now? Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, so forth and so on. And you're seeing this evolution take place there as well.
All that said, I, I think 2022 might bring about a resurgence of defense in the Big 12. I really, I really, I think, I think 2022, you're going to see the Big 12 conference have some some really good defenses. And and I I, I want to talk about who I believe is going to be the best defense in this conference. I want to start by saying who I think is going to be the most overrated defense in this conference. And as to me, I mean, these are all going to be homers. So if you're if you're not an Oklahoma football fan, you just want to skip forward, okay? I just want to say you want to, you just want to skip on and, and and listen to other parts of this podcast or just shut it down altogether. But I don't see how Oklahoma State's not the most overrated defense in this conference. I think there are massive question marks at defensive back. There's massive question marks at linebacker. I think the Cowboys are very solid up front. I think up front, defensive line, Brock Martin, those guys, that, that is definitely the strength of this defense. But I think there's a lot of questions behind those guys. I think there's a lot of questions, particularly at the linebacker position, when you're replacing guys who are earning NFL paychecks now. And then they're still getting ranked. And, and Jim Knowles, you know, what he did and, and everything that, that came in to change this defense to, to be literally with a, an inch away from winning the Big 12 championship, you got to give them credit for what they put on the field in 2022. Excuse me, 2021. Top-rated rushing defense in the Big 12. I mean, they, they were good. They were solid. They were better than solid. And I got no problem saying that this was the best defense a year ago. I don't see it in 2022. Now, there could be guys out there that came through the transfer portal that are going to earn their stripes or guys out there who have paid their dues and worked their tails off to be a third-teamer to a second-teamer and now going to take over as a first-teamer. That's a lot of unproven unproven talent. And what that means is that's a question mark. And I think once you get past the defensive line for Oklahoma State, you've got question marks on the second and third levels of this defense. The transfer portal wasn't kind to them. The NFL drafting, that, that's good. You want your guys going and getting drafted. You want to be able to sell that to recruits. Hey, look, we're putting guys in the NFL. That's, that's a good thing. Unless you don't have a lot of depth. For example, Oklahoma's defensive line. They lost Isaiah Thomas. They lost Perrin Winfrey to the NFL. And what are people talking about? They're talking about Josh Ellison. They're talking about Isaiah Coe. They're talking about Jalen Redmond. You got the Jeffries kid that came in and transferred from Tulane. So you're, you're talking about guys that, tra- that, that not transfer. I guess they transferred to the NFL. You're talking about guys that got drafted, and that's a good recruiting selling point. And it's the same thing in Stillwater. Mike Gundy and his crew, they're selling the fact that they're putting guys in the NFL. But the question is, or the difference is, no one's questioning what's up next for Oklahoma to replace a bunch of guys who went to the NFL. They know what's there. When you talk about Oklahoma State, you're talking about a very, very good defense in 2021, the best defense in the Big 12. But you're also talking about a lot, of, you're also talking about a lot of question marks on that second and third level. And I could be totally proven wrong on this. I could be. I don't think I am, but I could be. And I'll, I'll admit, if I was wrong, I will admit it. 
But I would definitely look for Oklahoma State to have some issues in the linebacking core. I would look for Oklahoma State to have some issues in the secondary. And you've got a couple of weeks, you got a month, you got basically the month of August to get all that worked out before you start playing conference games. And I, I think that maybe, maybe they're getting just a little bit too much love. Most overrated defense going into the season, in my opinion, Oklahoma State. Most underrated defense going into the season, defense that people just aren't giving enough credit to, to me, is Kansas. Yeah, yeah, don't drive off the road. I see, You heard it. I said it. I don't think Kansas is going to be fantastic. I, I don't know that they're going to be top five in the Big 12, but I don't think they're going to be last. I don't think they're going to be second to last. I don't even think they're going to be third to last. I think when you look at this Jayhawk defense, people are prognosticating them to be bottom one, two, or three in the Big 12. And I think when you look across the board, you look at all three layers of the defense, I think you see the type of talent that puts them just right about the middle or just high or just just slightly above the middle of the pack in the Big 12. I mean, Lance Leopold has a chance to really earn some money this season based on what he's going to put on the field defensively. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, not saying the Jayhawks are going to be the top defense in the Big 12. What I am saying is I don't think they're going to be as bad as everybody else says they're going to be. I think defensive line, they're just above the middle of the pack. I think linebacker, they're, they're right in the middle of the pack. I think in the secondary, just above the middle of the pack. So I would look for Kansas to be defensively in the Big 12, 5, 6, or 7. And I think 5, 6, or 7, and I do, I think they have a legitimate shot to be number 5 in the Big 12 when it comes to overall defense. I think there's a legitimate chance there. But even if they were 7, that's that's better than 8, 9, or 10 where a lot of people are are thinking they're going to be. So who's going to be the best defense in the Big 12? Let me, let me give you three candidates. I, I think there's three programs that are going to be three of the top 25, top 15, maybe even top 10 programs defensively in the country. Now, I don't think all three of these guys are going to get in the top 10, but I think they could all three be top 15. But I think you look at Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas State. And I think each of them has a has an individual strength that the other one doesn't. For example, Oklahoma, I, I mentioned defensive line earlier. I don't think that's the strength of Oklahoma's defense. I think when you look at what Deshaun White and Clayton Smith are bringing to this linebacking core, I, I you know Deshaun White is that guy who's going into his fifth year, you know, fifth year senior. Um, it's it's one of those things where it just kind of it, it's starting to click for him, so to speak. And we are going to talk about Deshaun White here again in a little bit. But Oklahoma's linebacking core, absolutely, absolutely the strength of this defense, in my opinion, going into the city, going into the season. I I think there's lots of talent up front. You can't not be excited about Isaiah Coe. You can't not be excited about Jalen Redmond, Josh Ellison, and what this defensive line is going to do. You, you can't help but maybe scratch your head a little bit about what the what the secondary is going to look like. You got transfers coming in. You got guys like DJ Graham, guys like um, Woody Washington. What's going to happen at the safety position? You know, Key Lawrence. Where does he fit into this? Uh, there, there's there is a lot out there 
on this defense, and I think all the questions really are in the secondary. But I think they're they're better than solid. One of the top three defensive lines, but their their strength to me absolutely is linebacker. Now here here's the one that's probably going to get me in a little bit of trouble. Here here's the one that's probably going to make you go, okay, dude, you're you're just insane. But I think Texas probably has the best defensive line in the Big Twelve. Going into the season, looking on paper, probably the best defensive line in the Big 12. And you're going, dude, you're crazy. Did you not see what they did last year? Did you not see the numbers that they allowed last year? Yeah, I did see all that. And I, I, don't, I don't think this is a make or break year for Steve Sarkeesian. But I, I think this is a very pivotal year for Steve Sarkeesian. And I think if the Longhorns make a step forward, it's going to be because they're they're way more solid on the defensive side of the ball than what they have been. And I think that starts up front for these guys. If you count their jack backer, they've got five guys. Five guys that are returning. I mean, five guys that are returning starters. I don't, I don't know that there's another defensive front in the Big 12 that has that type of, of, of not, it's not a turnover, but that, that, that type of retention. When you look at experienced, quality guys. So I think Texas, you were know, Oklahoma, their, their, their strength is linebacker. I think Texas, absolutely, the strength is at the defensive line. And then you throw Kansas State in there. And I think Kansas State, uh, to me, they've got the best set of, of cornerbacks in the Big 12. There are, there are question marks at safety. I think they're very, very solid at linebacker. But to me, I think the anchor of that Kansas State defense is going to be what, on the back end with, with the cornerbacks. So I think we, when you take Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas State, th- those are, in my opinion, going to be your three top defenses in the Big 12. Which one of those, which one of those is going to be the number one? Well, I gave you the strengths. For Oklahoma, it's linebacker. For Texas, it's defensive line. For Kansas State, it's secondary. All three different strengths. And, and then when you look at the weaknesses, we'll go in reverse order. For Kansas State, I believe the weakness of their defense is up front. I believe when you look at that, uh, that, that defensive front, and that's going to make things difficult on the back end where they're strong. But I think their linebackers are better than solid. And maybe that can help cover you know, some, of the, 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 some of the weaknesses that they have and some of the mistakes that are going to be made up front. I think for, both for Texas and Oklahoma, I think for, for Oklahoma, the secondary is a question mark. I don't know that I would say it's a weakness, but if I'm going to rank Oklahoma's defensive units, I'm ranking linebackers one, defensive uh, line two, defensive backs three, because there's so many question marks there. And I think you go in reverse order, not reverse order, you just flop defensive line and linebackers for Texas. They're really good. They're front seven. They're going to be really, really good. But their weakness absolutely right now is in that secondary. When you look at the transfer portal, you look at guys that are coming back that were just awful last year, and then and then you look at the guys that left for for graduation purposes, whatever. This is a bad defensive secondary going into the season that has a crud ton of opportunity to prove themselves, but there's not a lot of confidence that they're going to do it. And I'll, I'll just be very honest with you. Here's what, here's what eliminates Texas for me from being the top defense in the Big 12. 
I think they're going to be really good against the run. I think they're going to record a lot of quarterback rushes or quarterback pressures, quarterback sacks. But I think they're going to give up a crud ton of yardage through the air. I think you're going to see broken down coverages. I think you're going to see poor technique. I think you're going to see missed tackles. I think you're going to see the secondary abuse on third and long situations. I think you're going to see them bite on play action and, and be out of position. I just think this secondary is going to cost Texas the opportunity to be the best defense in the Big 12. And I think for Kansas State, it's going to be that, that, that defensive front. I think, I think what you're going to see happen against the big dogs in the Big 12, those, those, those guys who have those maulers up front on the offensive lines, you're going to see them get into the second level of this Kansas State defense, and they're going to neutralize linebackers. And where, where Kansas is very solid, excuse me, Kansas State is very solid uh, in that secondary, I think you're going to see a lot of teams run on the, on the, on the wild. I don't know why I keep wanting to call them the Jayhawks, and I know it's so disrespectful, and I know Oklahoma State fans hate it when they get called the Sooners. And I mean, I don't think Oklahoma often, if ever, gets called the Cowboys, but I get it, and I'm so sorry for saying this. But the point is, Kansas State, I think their opponents, the, the game plan going in is, is going to be to run on these guys, to take advantage of what you can up front, to move guys aside, get to that second level. So to me, that puts Oklahoma as the top defense in the Big 12. They do not have the top defensive line, in my opinion, going in. They've got a really good defensive line that could be the top defensive line at the end of the season. But right now, I think they're top three. Absolutely, they're top three in the Big 12. I think they're the top linebacking core in the, in the Big 12. And I think they're probably in the top half of the Big 12 when it comes to the secondary, even though they have the question marks. And when you look at the weaknesses of, of these three teams, Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas State, I don't think at this point, in good conscience, you could put the Texas secondary in the top half of the Big 12. I don't think in good conscience you could put the Kansas State defensive line in the top half of the Big 12. But I think you could make a very solid argument that Oklahoma secondary is top five in the Big 12. And with that said, I think there's, there's fewer question, there's fewer um, holes there. There's fewer weaknesses there. There's fewer question marks there. Whatever you want to say when it comes to evaluating the weaknesses of these top three defenses in the Big 12. So for me, my homer pick, I really didn't plan it this way. That's just the way it is. Oklahoma, number one defense in the Big 12. Plus, you got the Brent Venables factor. I know Ted Roof is officially the defensive coordinator. But come on. I, I'm not like other guys. I'm not, I'm not an Alex Grinch hater. I think there were some question marks there about how to use guys. I think there was frustration. Uh, obviously, Perrin Winfrey is a good example of that. Just look through his Twitter timeline. You don't have to look hard to find his dissatisfaction. But I, I think when you look at, at Brent Venables as the head coach and Ted Roof and his experience, this is an upgrade in defensive coordinator for OU. Um, yeah, that, that just pushes OU over the top. To me, top defense in the Big 12 going into the season. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, you guys tell me. Oklahoma State most overrated. Kansas most underrated. Oklahoma. I think Texas would, would be number two. And then Kansas State number three. But it'd be really, really close between the Longhorns and the Wildcats. Hit me up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Drop a line, uh, heartland-sports.com in the podcast page. Let me know if you agree or disagree or how crazy you think I am. I, I legitimately don't know the answer to this question. When's the last time you saw an all-Big 12 preseason team 
that did not include a member of Oklahoma's football team on the first team. And I know you got Michael Turk down there, and good for him. I do believe he's the best punter in the Big 12, but come on. I mean, when, when's the last time there wasn't a, a person on, on the offense, right? No, no offensive linemen, no receivers, no running backs, no quarterbacks. That's what you're looking at going into 2022. You've got a, you've got a Big 12 first-team offense, Big 12 first-team defense that doesn't include a single member of Oklahoma's football team on it. And that just blows my mind. And I know you're a year of transition, and I know you've got quarterbacks transferring out. you got guys transferring in. But we're going to pretend there's not talent here? There's not first-team talent? You're telling me you really don't think there's any first-team talent on either side of the football? Yeah, Perry Winfrey's in the NFL. Caleb Williams is in South Southern California. Spencer Rattler is in South Carolina. Seriously, you still don't believe there's any first-team talent on this team? So let me give you eight guys. Let me give you eight names that I believe will have a, a better than average chance of being on the first team all-conference squad by season's end. These are guys that didn't make it in the preseason, but they have a great chance, in my opinion, of being on there, fighting, at least fighting for a spot to be on the first team, not the second team, not the third team, but the first team at the end of the season. And I think the most obvious one where you got to start is, is at the quarterback, you know, the sexy position, the money position. Dylan Gray, Gabriel is one of the most experienced quarterbacks that the Big 12 has to offer as the season gets underway. Uh, not the most experienced in the Big 12, but the most experienced overall. The guy's got eight, over 8,000 passing yards. Think, think about this. When it comes to Dylan Gabriel, all right, he's already worked with Jeff Levy. So it's it's not like it's, it's it, well I tell you what Spencer Rattler he had a relationship with Shane Beamer that's not quite the same as what Caleb Williams had going to Southern California with Lincoln Riley very little will change for Caleb Williams in Southern California Dylan Gabriel's in a very similar situation to that having already worked with Jeff Levy at Central Florida now Jeff Levy's calling the plays at Oklahoma, and, and you've got a quarterback over, over 8,000 passing yards in his collegiate career, averaging over 300 yards a game. The guy knows how to take care of the football, 70 touchdowns of 14 interceptions in his career. Oh, and by the way, he's never been surrounded with the talent that he'll be surrounded with right now this season at the University of Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler was your first team all Big 12 quarterback and and since I've already made all the homer predictions earlier, let's just go ahead and throw those out there. I don't see how Spencer Rattler is the preseason all Big 12 quarterback and then also the postseason all Big 12 quarterback. You know Spencer, let's just say Spencer Rattler, Spencer Sanders. You know Spencer Sanders I know Spencer Sanders. We uh, give him credit for getting all the way to the Big 12 championship game last year. Give him credit for winning Bedlam. Uh, you could even make the argument that they won Bedlam in spite of Spencer Sanders. This guy, in my opinion, is an average quarterback, maybe slightly above average. I don't see how he is the 
go-to guy in this Big 12 conference. What he is, he's the benefactor of Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina, Caleb Williams going to USC, Casey Thompson going to Nebraska. I mean, that's that's where he's really earning his mark. Brock Purdy's gone. He's out of this conference. Spencer Sanders is the holdover. I mean, he he's the elder statesman. So of what you know, if you've been covering the Big 12 for four years, five years, three years, two years, even last year, what you know is Spencer Sanders is the guy who's left. And he's won that position, that honor preseason just by retention, by being the same guy on the same team. I think Oklahoma has a better quarterback than, than Oklahoma State. I think I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be a game changer for Oklahoma. He's going to be the savior. And and here here's the thing. I I won't probably won't spend this much time talking about all the the other seven guys. But I think Gil, Dylan Gabriel is so key to what Oklahoma wants to do. And, and we can just go on this little rant here real fast about Caleb Williams. Because here's a guy who wanted to explore his options but did not want the University of Oklahoma to explore their options. That is documented. And Caleb Williams can have this rant with the media and he can say this. And I mean, he's kind of taken a couple plays from the Lincoln Riley playbook of, oh, I just had to do what was best for me. But at the same time, he's saying, what I really wanted to do was stay at Oklahoma. Well, no, you didn't. If you wanted to stay at Oklahoma, you wouldn't have been in the portal. If Oklahoma was your top choice, you wouldn't have told Brent Venables you were looking around. That's like telling your girlfriend, hey, I really, really love you, but I'm going to go out on Friday night and see what my other options are. That's what Caleb Williams tried to do. And Caleb Williams was hurt. His dad was hurt. Everybody was upset that Oklahoma moved on. And they're trying to walk this back, but it's already out there. You can't take it back. Caleb Williams' father has admitted to this. They were upset. They were disappointed that Oklahoma did not put everything on pause for them. And because Oklahoma didn't put everything on pause for them, that's what pushed them to USC, which makes this whole idea that they were looking for the what's the best option to get Caleb into the NFL? What was the best place that would develop him for in, to get him ready for the NFL? They just threw that all in the garbage by saying, "Well, what really made the decision for us was was that that Oklahoma didn't wait on us to to shop around and see if we can find another date." But that that's how important Dylan Gabriel is. And I, I said this on previous podcasts. If you go back and listen to January podcast, February podcast, I was saying this because it was out there. That once this very second Caleb Williams went in the portal, Brent Venables and Jeff Levy moved on. And they told him he was welcome to come back to the University of Oklahoma, but he would have to fight and earn that spot. If he, if he stayed out of the portal, he was the guy. Brent Venable said that after the Alamo Bowl. Caleb Williams is our guy. We will He will lead this offense. And the only thing that changed that was by Caleb Williams going, you know what? I'm just going to see what else is out there. And the fact that Oklahoma did not wait on him really burned him. It really made him, it hurt his feelings. Can we just say that? It hurt his feelings. But Jeff Levy was like, dude, I'm going to call Dylan Gabriel. I know what I can get. 
Caleb Williams has a lot of upside. Ceiling is very high. The talent is very raw. But I got this kid who's been in college for four years already. I've already coached him up. I've seen what he can do. He's out in U- He's out in California. If he goes to class at UCLA, we can't get him, so I'm just going to call him now. Venables and Levy couldn't have waited on Caleb Williams. And I think Dylan Gabriel has a great shot at being the all-conference Big 12 quarterback at the end of the season. And one of the reasons why is because he's got weapons like Eric Gray, a guy who averaged 5.1 yards per carry over the course of his career and even more impressive, 9.1 yards per reception. That's a dude that I think is 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 really going to have a lot of fun in the Jeff Levy offense. And you've got you've got running backs for days at OU. But I don't know that Lincoln Riley really knew how to use Eric Gray. A, a lot of the ways that uh that that they didn't really know how to use Marvin Mims. Can we just again pause and say what a bombshell that was? A Marvin Mims said, "You know what? If Lincoln Riley had stayed, I was going to go." Key Lawrence, I mean, they didn't know they didn't Alex Grinch didn't know how to use Key Lawrence. So I think I think Eric Gray is a guy that has a chance. Key Lawrence, I've already thrown him out there. He is he's a guy who has a chance. His honorable mention last year, and, and that was a year where they didn't know how to use him. Was he a corner? Was he a safety? Where is he gonna be? 47 tackles last season, three forced fumbles. The guy was just just a playmaker out there on the defense. But if he finds a spot, if they say, look, Key, this is where you are. This is your spot. This is your job. The guy will thrive at it. I think Deshaun White, a fifth-year senior, 169 uh, tackles uh, on his career. had a career-best 66 tackles last year. Woody Washington. It's do or die for Woody Washington. You know, the last two years he's had, he's had two interceptions in each of the last two years. He took a little bit of a, a step back. Uh, he had 45 tackles in 2020, which was his which was his his best year. Last year only 27 uh, tackles, but uh, he's got 87 for for his career. Um, Jalen Redman, look, Jalen Redman's a beast, and we you know this. I, he set out 2020 uh, for COVID restrictions. Uh, second most quarterback uh, hurries in, on the on the team last year. Played limited. You know he was injured for some of the time, uh, but um, had five tackles against Nebraska. The dude. I mean, if healthy and fully back, this should be the best season of Jalen Redmond's career. And he's going to be the guy that they're going to look at to try to get in there and, and make some, some things happen in, in the opponent's backfield. I think DJ Graham, if he's just solid, you know, he, everything's set up because of the interception he had against Nebraska last year against Adrian Martinez. By the way, he gets to play Adrian Martinez again this year with the with the Kansas State Wildcats. But, uh, you know, everything's set up for him. I mean, 37 tackles in 2021. He had the one interception, but it was a – it was a fantastic interception. I think ESPN had it as the top play of the week or the top play of the month or whatever it was. I think just because of the publicity that's out there based off of that interception alone, if DJ Graham is solid, he'll have a chance to be first team. I think the one guy I haven't mentioned, let me go through my list here. The one guy I haven't mentioned is, um, is Anton Harrison. Who, uh, you know, like he from his first year, he's had he's flashed that potential. 
He had 12 starts last year at left tackle. He played nine games as a, as a true freshman. Um, I, I think he can be an anchor on this offensive line. And I think he could be one of the, if not the best offensive lineman that OU has to offer this year. And that's not that's not a knock against the other four guys. I just think there's a lot of upside to Anton Harrison. So if you're keeping track at home in no particular order, that's that's Dylan Gabriel, Key Lawrence, Eric Gray, Deshaun White, Woody Washington, Anton Harrison, Jalen Redman, and DJ Graham, who all I I believe all of those guys, all eight of those guys, have a better than average opportunity barring injury, to be first-team All-Big 12 players when December rolls around. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sooner Nation Podcast. Like I said, we are back on a semi-regular schedule uh, with weekly podcasts. As the season approaches, we hit game week. We'll do bi-weekly podcasts. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We want to jump back into also doing true or false questions. So if you got something, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can always email us, heartland-sports, excuse me, heartland-sports at yahoo.com. And then you can find us on the internet, heartland-sports. Dot com. Have a great weekend, a great week, whenever, whatever time you're listening to this. Boomer Center.